Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. We are in the heart of the football season. The Cincinnati Bearcats have completed the first half of the season. The very difficult six-game stretch that was often talked about uh, in the preseason. Where would Cincinnati stand coming out of those six games? The answer is at five and one. And now get into a, I won't say easy outside of UConn. You get into a less difficult stretch of four games and also a bye week. So four games over the next five weeks. And then the season ramps up again really quick. If the Bearcats can get through that four game stretch with Temple coming to town, the second to last week of the season for senior day. And the Bearcats going to Memphis to close out the season the day after Thanksgiving. This segment, as we get into the podcast, of course, brought to you by Taft's Brewporium, Taft's Ale House, and just Taft's Beer in general. Thanks to everybody that came out for the watch party on Saturday. It was a massive success. Everybody had a good time. I had some wings. Dave, you know how elaborate the process is that they cook their wings? Let's talk about this. Oh, I don't know. Do they, let's see, do they brine them? No, they do not. I thought, because the thing that that, that created this conversation, their wings are very juicy and very tender on the inside. So I was thinking along the same lines as you. They brine them. They do not brine them. They bake them almost to cooked. Yeah. And and, and And I don't like breaded wings. They bake them almost to completion, then they bread them, then they sauce them, then they fry them dock style, which is fried with yeah. sauce, and then they sauce them again after they go through the fryer. They're fantastic. Yeah. But that's a lot of Sounds work Sounds good wings. to me. Hey, if, if you want something good, sometimes it takes a little work. That's what I had for, uh, it, was, it was more of a late lunch. I got there about three o'clock. Uh, our good buddy Stu Gilchrist took a uh, brief break to watch the first half. He went back and watched the second half with his wife Chelsea, who is still uh, doing a great job recovering uh, from her uh, medical situation uh, in their hotel room after the the night after the Ohio State game. Um, but it was the wings were fantastic. Had a great time. Some of the guys from the Republic of Cincinnati tailgate joined me. Uh, there were a bunch of BCJ members there. All in all, uh, the, the, you know it's good when the bartenders thank you for all the business that we brought in uh, for another UC watch party at Taft's. The UC ticket office was there. They gave away four tickets to the Tulsa game. Um, all in all, it was just a great time at the Brewporium. And, uh, I, you know, I love their pizza, but I might be switching to their wings, my man. And then later I had some garlic knots. I mean, I, I love a wing, so it's, it's tough to turn that down. I love pizza, too. But, uh, yeah, if I had to pick between pizza and wings, I think I'm going wings. Uh, and it, you know, I I wouldn't say their wings are, are, you know, like the elite best in town. But they were very, very good. Have you had them there yet? You haven't, have you? I don't think so. I'm not, still, I don't remember. Last year, they were brand new. They introduced them, like, halfway through the season last year. Um, yeah. Now they they're they got their groove now. I, I I've become since I got the pellet smoker, I've become more of a smoked wing guy. But I appreciate the uh level of effort and dedication that go into producing a batch of wings at Taft's now. So uh, I might be switching over to wings a little bit more regularly. But um let's get to it. Yeah. Cincinnati uh uh it, it, might not have always been the most aesthetically of, of pleasing games, but you go on the road, you win by 15, you create five turnovers. Um, Dez has a strong game, 300 yards total offense between 263 passing, 50 rushing, touchdown on the ground, two huge third down pickups on third and long in the fourth quarter. And overall, outside of a couple deep balls that were hit by Houston, uh, just a, a a strong performance overall by Cincinnati. They, they still the pre the pre snap penalties, especially on offense, uh, 
make you want to run your head into a wall at times. But overall, Dave, it was a, a successful trip to Houston. And as I said, when I was uh, having a little bit of a de debate with fans after the game, you win by one, you get on the plane, you get home. Uh, and, and that was, you know, that was exactly the way that that game played out. They were able to pull away with the late pick six. And you, you get out of there with the win, you cover the spread, you win by 15. Good day for the Bearcats. Yeah, I thought so. I mean, yeah, I kind of looked at it as just like, you know, somewhat of a, you know, just get in and get out best you can. Because Houston does have some issues, but they, they still do have some some talent in areas as well. But I just kind of felt like it was one of those games where, you didn't. You knew you didn't play your best, but you still have the talent and the coaching staff and the intangibles to kind of, you know, steer yourself away from what could, you know, what to probably some teams would have ended up being a loss or or a much closer game. You know, it was never game was really never in doubt. I mean, Coach Fickle talked about a lot of quote unquote got to have it moments and. And different guys made those plays at, at different times to make sure that, you know, an 11-point lead that went to four didn't then go to one or didn't then go down by three. It was always just kind of like, all right, they they did something, and whether it was them or us um, causing it, you know, it's like, okay, now let's just go do our, our stuff. And just kind of like a you know, workman-like type, game you know there's obviously things to correct but I think that's the sign of a team that is is good is confident is progressing is you can play a game where there were some you know pretty glaring issues and you can win by 15 you can control pretty much the entire game you know they got off to another fast start, which was nice to see two weeks in a row on the road. That was always kind of the thing that haunted them last year, kept some games closer uh, than they probably should have been. But, you know, you play 12 and you play six on the road, it's not going to be the prettiest game of, you know, all the time. And there had to be, you know, the players don't probably wouldn't admit it. The coaches probably don't want to talk about it. But, I mean, let's be real. They're, 18 to 22 year old guys and they just you know had the biggest win the program's had in at least a decade eight days earlier that had to have at least some level of effect on the game at some point yeah you were also again without chris ferguson uh darius harper got the start at right tack or left tackle um I, I thought he and and vince mcconnell as good as they were against ucf I thought they struggled a little bit against Houston at times. Ultimately, in the second half, I think they got it corrected uh, and, and held up when they needed to. But that was the 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 root. Them and, and Mets uh, at right tackle were the root of a lot of the pre-snap penalties, a lot of the issues that they had in terms of the the penalties and the yardage. Um, I, I just I don't know. I I felt like they they t it was just kind of a, a take care of business day, and, and that's exactly what they did. I I. I I will give a ton of credit to the Houston punter because I think the Houston punter kept that game from being a blowout. Yeah. Dane Roy is another, he's another Aussie. And I mean, it seems like they're everywhere now, but yeah, I mean, you know, there were definitely, especially in the first half, maybe yeah, three, three punts so. inside the 10, two of those inside the five. More so the second quarter where it was like, they kept playing that field position game where eventually, you know, UC was going to go three and out because they were, they'd be backed up so much and, you know, you're going to get a good field position and then you're going to, Houston's going to score. They never really did in those situations. So, I mean, that's obviously credit to the defense, but yeah, I, mean, I just kind of chalk it up to just kind of, you know, you just didn't have your best stuff and you, beat a team that's got still has some pretty good athletes we know they have the issues that they have but you still Look, beat them by two, two scores and seems like they came out of the game healthy and and now you get back home and then you have a week off so i mean like I'm, it's not much 
for me to really dwell on or, or dig into too much. I look at it like this from the Houston perspective. Yeah, there's a lot of turmoil and there's a lot of stuff going on. But you also have, what, 75, 78 guys that are still on scholarship trying to win games. Those guys don't want to be a part of a team that's quote-unquote tanking. Like, you don't get a first-round pick next year if you finish last. Right. Th those guys still, there's, there's decent enough talent, and they still want to win. And I think using four quarterbacks had Cincinnati's defense guessing which really that's that's the most effective way, I think, to slow down Marcus Freeman. Because if he's got you figured out, you're toast. And, and I think he had the defense on its heels some. Uh, that's where I think a lot of the credit to the, the, the four successful deep balls that they had lies. Um, although... This is all we saw this last year, Dave. We talked about it a lot on this podcast last year. We are getting to a point again this year where teams are starting to realize chucking the ball deep is the best option against this defense. Yeah, I mean, that was the one glaring game last year was the SMU game where that was Temple, the only way they were Temple. That's all Temple's offense when Temple won. If you go back and look at that game. Temple had five or six, like, 25, 30-plus plays where they couldn't move the ball in space, in, in short area space, and all they right. could do was throw it over the top. I think that's I think that's the scouting report on how you beat a Marcus Freeman defense is you're not going to get them five, six, seven, eight yards at a time. You're going to have to try to go over the top and just hope your guys make the play on 50-50 balls. Well, I mean, look at it. You know, just off the top of my head, Houston, two of their three touchdowns were on long passes. Um, UCF's, one of theirs was on a, sh a shorter pass, but then broke, you know, broke and ran. Marshall's was on a 40-yard play. I mean, yeah, teams aren't just having – Eight, ten play drives, getting down in the red zone, picking up third downs, running in from the two yard line. So, well, I, I think kind of boomer bust. Well, we talked about this a lot too over the past year and a half now. Cincinnati's really good on first and third down, and if you don't get a bunch of yards on first down, and you're not converting on third down, you're not moving the ball up and down the field and scoring on this defense. So. I mean, I get it from an offensive coordinator standpoint. If they're going to put the corners in basically man coverage, some of it press man, some of it regular man, uh, and they're going to leave guys on an island against certain receivers, the best chance you got is to throw it over the top and hope they make a play because anything else you do, watch when teams try to swing the ball out wide for those little you know, wide receiver screens or, or little – flare outs to the outside that that against a lot of defenses pick up yards 90 percent of the time cincinnati's got three four guys in the area swarm into the ball on those plays the plays that are successful in college football right now those short plays that are an extension of the run game do not work on marcus freeman's defense so throwing it over the top is what you've got so I, i'm just saying don't be surprised if we see a lot more of that over the last six six games because that's that's the best chance teams have to beat this defense. Oh yeah, I mean, and we're gonna we're definitely gonna see that attempted this week. That's that's definitely part of Tulsa's offense. So, I mean, ultimately though, I thought you know you got You got to give credit to Javon Hicks, two picks and a fumble recovery. I don't care if the second pick was playing center field on a deep ball at the end of the half. You do what you're supposed to do, and if they throw you the ball, that's, that's what happened. He was where he's supposed to be. They threw him the ball. He caught it. That's an interception. Yeah. That counts. Um, congratulations to him on being the American Athletic Conference Defensive Player of the Week. That's two local kids two weeks in a row, Dave. With I, I noticed that. UCF, Javon Hicks. So does that mean? Houston. Does that mean Malik Van 
is going to get it this week. Uh, what are our other options there? Is it pretty much Malik that's the main local guy on defense left? Uh, yeah, Ar- that, that would be like a, a more of a, you know, that would be the realistic, you know, chance. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess it's time for Malik Van. A lot, lot, lot of pressure. A lot of pressure on Malik. <laughs> Or maybe we can get a, a local guy to win Offensive Player of the Week. Yeah. I don't know. Who would that be? I don't know. <laughs> Leonard Taylor? Think... Can we count him? <laughs> I don't Leonard think Taylor, so. Leonard Taylor? Well, I mean, in Dayton. It's nice. not that far. Yeah, they're, that's still that's a good ways north of Dayton. Yeah. Wiley. Yeah. Maybe it's time for Wiley to to break out, have a big day, <laughs> and, and be offensive player of the week. But um, it, you know, Hicks had a great game offensively. Uh, I thought Des was really solid. I know people are. I had somebody in the bathroom, Dave, and I, it's somebody that's probably listening because he knew who I was. Game was over. I was going to take a leak, and then I was leaving. It says to me. When are we gonna? When are we gonna see Ben Bryant? Uh, when do we play UConn? That's exactly what my answer was. Probably about mid second quarter in the UConn game. Come on, what are we doing here, Dave? I mean, I, I'm I'm watching a guy play pretty pretty darn good, in my opinion. Like. I just think you need, like, just watch the flow of the game, watch the command of the offense, watch how in charge and comfortable and in control everything is. I'm not even taking into account, because we don't know what kind of checks he's making. We don't know, like, we don't know how much control he has but I'm sure it's more than it was last year. You know, you have on the touchdown drive towards the end of the game, he picks up two massive third longs with his legs, which I think there's this distinct difference pre-bye week to post-bye week with him running. He looks way way more assertive, way more just direct, like, I just felt like he was before the buy. It was like he was hesitating. He was maybe like trying to not be as much of a runner. Even when it was designed runs, he looked uncomfortable. Like his slides and his get downs weren't. Yeah, I also good. thought he, he got picked. dinged up against Ohio State. He did. Oh, that's, there's no doubt. So it could totally have to do with being healthier. But like, you know, both of those runs drop back. It's not there. See the middle's wide open, and he was out the gate. Like, and it was. It just. It just seems like he's becoming more and more comfortable um, with that aspect of the game. And you know, I just, I just don't know what what the what the qualms would be. What the like? I mean, obviously, there's critiques and corrections in every game. I mean. Even the game he went 18 for 22 against Marshall, I'm sure there's a play that he should have checked something else or, you know, when they're going through film review or whatever. But, like, I mean, they're 5-1. and one. They're outside. Take away the Ohio State game. They're averaging 35 points a game. I I, just, I don't really see the the issues. Yeah, and then I had, you know, I get it. Nobody, Nobody's ever fully – Happy, but just, I, I checked Twitter as the as the, the the seconds are winding down, and it's nothing but complaints about a an eighteen a seventeen fifteen whatever fifteen point win on the road against a decent Houston team. I, I just I don't that part of it I I don't look. We live in this city, right? We've all been sports fans here a long time. And when you've got a program that's 16-3 and three over two years, 
Maybe enjoy it a little. Maybe. I don't know. It's it, it, it seems like the, the 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 thing I would do, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like there's there's a difference between just like being totally blind and treating every win the same when because like you can compare, look at 2017 when they won four games and probably only should have won one, and most of the fan base is like, yeah, we won, but it wasn't pretty or we probably shouldn't have versus now it's like they're winning and it's not like, Oh, well, you know, it was a fluke or the team we played was terrible. Like just enjoy the wins and let the coaches and players worry about the stuff that we have no control over and frankly shouldn't really care about. Well, here's the other thing. And you make a great point there. You know what we've seen continuously from the start of last season to now improvement right what the only one area you could say that there hasn't been incredible strides from the start of the 2018 season to now is maybe the penalties but everything else is on the upswing with a program that is still insanely young and maybe a year or two away from peaking so enjoy yeah, the I mean, ride while we're on it. That's, I, I just don't get that. I like I get. Okay. Go ahead. It, I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just it's not the way that I take in sports to worry about, like the aesthetics of it, when you know that they're playing well and you know had a, had some bad plays here and there, but I mean. They're playing well. They they've won every game we expected them and hoped that they would win in in re, realistic terms. I mean, Ohio State is showing what they are, um, but yeah, it's like you know we're halfway through the year and they're very much now in a real conversation if they take care of what they need to take care of in going to the New Year's Six game, like. Giving us some empty yards to Houston in the doesn't really register as something that I'm gonna give a whole lot of thought to. Right. All right. I'm I'm done with that. So before the season, you predicted five and one at this point. Hat tip to you. I had four Thank and you. two because I did not I did not think. De'Eric King would uh, decide to redshirt after four <laughs> games. I think that would have been an awesome game to watch if De'Eric King was playing. Oh, for sure. And I don't think it would have been a game where we saw Cincinnati have any kind of letdown if they knew the best offensive player in the conference was was under center for Houston. That would have been a right. really fun game. I would love to have seen the, the, the result of that and how much it tested this team uh, to, to show their ability to win back-to-back really big games because we're looking like we might have that coming up in six weeks. Yeah. So, but there are a lot of people that four and two, they felt was optimistic. There were people that thought this team would, would maybe be three and three with all the losses that they had, the defensive line and the offensive line, most notably. And here we sit at five and one Dave. And it's pretty impressive to look at this thing. And to think, you know, we're not even three years for we're what two years and ten months, a little less than two years and ten months from when Luke Fickle got hired, changing a program the way that he did, in that short of time, is unbelievable, unbelievable. I still right. just sit back and marvel. The more the the wins pile up, it's just amazing to me. And, and I I. I don't want to say I hate the culture thing, but I think the culture thing 99% of the time is so overblown. But in this case, I don't think it is because I see it. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, the, you know, every coach's buzzword when they yeah. come in and they're trying, when they're trying to fix a, a bad program. And so we got to change the culture. We gotta change, and, and 
it's partly true because the culture is bad because you're losing. Right. Losing sucks. The culture and of losing sucks. So is the culture bad because are you losing because you have the wrong kids or are you losing because you have the wrong coaches and the culture was always actually good or there to be good, but your coaches were the wrong coaches. And so, because like, it's hard for me to say that like the culture was all on the kids when the vast, vast majority of the key contributors last year weren't brought in by Luke. And a lot of them this year weren't brought in by Luke. So they didn't just all of a sudden like go from not really caring to caring a lot. I I don't think it's about, it's about coaching. It's about scheme. It's about player development. Like, I, I will say I think the, the, the part of culture that I think does matter here and the difference from before was that concept of team, of playing for the guy next to you. And I think under the old regime, things had gotten very selfish. Everybody was playing for themselves. That's what happens, though, when you're losing. Like, you're more willing to sacrifice. Yeah, but they lost when... in the first year, and Luke was still building that culture. Right. I didn't see that team give up on each other, and it certainly wouldn't have carried over into what we saw last year if the culture in that locker room didn't change. So I think that is a, 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 a Tavion Thomas. Let's 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 get into it. Let's talk about it. Tavion Thomas has not done anything grossly negligent, or there's not been some like serious misconduct for why he ended up in the doghouse at the beginning of the season. And as Luke said on Tuesday, they're potentially looking at a red shirt. But Tavion Thomas has very much been in the mindset of he wants to be on the field. And at times he's kind of lashed out because he wants to play. I don't think that's a bad thing, but it goes against the culture that's there. And from what I've heard, the team was celebrating after – the UCF win and Tavion was sitting in his locker upset that he had a bad game. And that's not the culture that's being built here. And I think he understands it. I think he's on board. Like, I think he knows what they're, they're teaching him, but if he's not bought into it, they're not going to they're not going to just roll him out there. You know what I mean? Like that's right. It's like kind of example does that set to everybody else. Right. So, I mean, I I'm just impressed with with the way that Luke has built the program. The talent level obviously has gone up, but like you said, most of that talent from last year are guys that were here when they got here. And there's still quite a few guys here this year that are making an impact that were here when they got here. Now we're starting to see more and more and more the fickle guys take over, but that's just because <coughs> we're in year three. And right. a lot of the, that freshman class didn't red shirt. Therefore those guys are now going into their junior year. A lot of the 2018 class didn't red shirt. Those guys are now going into their sophomore year. So, I mean, I think it's just the, the nature of the beast, but it just between Fickle and Freeman, Denbrock, the whole staff, like they they just they changed this program so drastically, so quickly. And I wasn't close to it back then. I wonder how similar as we we're gonna we're gonna talk two thousand nine here in a second, how similar it was to when D'Antonio got here. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of similarities. I mean the two coaches but close. I mean, Luke coached for Mark. I'm sure a lot of things were taken from him. And then also kind of the way Jim Tressel changed things when he got to Ohio State. Yeah. 
and, and and that's a great point that it could be that that ability to build a program is something that that Luke has seen, and he saw it when probably when Urban took over, at least in in some ways, shape and form. Um. So I, I mean I don't know I I just think it's interesting I I think the 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 appreciation I just I just there needs to continue to be that appreciation for what this guy walked into was not good and, and what he's got going on three years later is the foundation of what looks to be a very, very solid football program going forward for quite some time. Oh that's yeah. Where, that's no, little, little doubt about that. All right. 2009. They are back this weekend. The the undefeated regular season team will be honored. I believe it is at the end of the first quarter. I'm not a hundred percent positive on that, but I believe that's when it will go down. So um don't get out of your seats at that point in time. Uh I I addressed this earlier in the week. I am at a point where I, I'm not going to play social media justice warrior on this one, Dave. <laughs> if you want to stand up and cheer Brian Kelly, stand up, scream your lungs out, cheer Brian Kelly. If you want to boo Brian Kelly, okay. I, I don't really care either. I'm not going to tell you how to feel. I'm not going to tell you to. And I initially, when this thing was announced, uh, I was kind of in the, you know, it's been a decade, get over it. The more time has gone by, let them know how you feel if you want to. I, I I mean, I wouldn't. I don't know that I would do either. I think I'd probably clap for the guys on the team if I was in the stands as a fan. I would clap for the guys on the team if they independently announced Brian Kelly. They independently announced Brian Kelly. And I'd, I'd just... Wait until that was over and, and move on with my life. But I just, yeah, don't, I mean, don't look at me. If you're looking for somebody to be outraged, if there are some people that boo, don't look this way because I'm just not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna care. No, I, right. and I'm, I'm pretty much the same way. Like, it's not something that I will do. Uh, that season, you know, everybody has their favorite moments, but like from a personal standpoint, you know, that season is very, very special to me and my family. And I'm going to choose to not forget, but I just, I'm going to choose to use the opportunity to applaud the players for what they did and show them the adulation and love that we have for them. To me, far outweighs the decision-making of one man going to a job that we all knew he was going to go to, that we all probably would have gone to, and maybe it wasn't handled in the best fashion. It, it, it wasn't. I mean, we, we don't even need to say maybe. It wasn't they never handled are. in the best fashion. They never I'm, sure he ha- I'm sure he has regrets, but, you know, this – is a great moment for those guys. And, and he was the coach of that team. And he, like, in my opinion, I will not going to take my shirt off and wave it over my head, but I'll cheer for him too, because he was the orchestrator of, you know, two of the funnest seasons that I can remember in being a, just a sports fan in general, let alone a UC fan. And a lot of things that you see is reaping the benefits for now. He had a major hand in. Yeah. I don't discredit any of that. And so I'm just going to take it as, you know, I'm not going to be someone to be like, well, you should get over it. Or how long do you hold grudges for? And, you know, whatever. Like you said, if you're still bent about him leaving or how it was handled with the banquet or whatnot, you know, you handle yourself however you want. I just think that if you're focusing in on him, if they do individual introductions, which I'm, I probably wouldn't even do that. No, I, would just, I would say everybody welcome back to 2009 Bearcats. Right. The undefeated 2009 but if they, Bearcats. If they do, 
you're you're doing that is ta- you know is taking just kind of taking something away from the the greatness of that whole experience. Yeah. You know. So you know, I, I don't really have much else on. I just think it's an awesome thing they're doing. I hope there's a ton of guys there. You know, and I think it's it's well deserved. And I'm gonna cheer for all of them just because. You know that was, that was I can't believe it was ten years ago, but it was just it was a lot of fun, and you know that's kind of just where I stand on it. I'm with you. I mean, that's what I think. That's why I wanted to get that out of the way early in the week. So maybe by the middle. Well, of I mean, the week, we knew we knew it was going to be a, a talking point. And yeah. Some will some will drive it home more than others in the city. I'm sure. I already saw it starting but, tonight. But, you know, it's it's just kind of, you know, a part of history that I will remember fondly, and I'm going to treat it like that. It also goes back to what I talked about earlier. You're a fan of sports in this town. There are not many things that equal the 2009 Cincinnati Bearcats season. Yeah. So enjoy it. Uh, there's not a whole lot of former teams being brought back recently to be celebrated. <laughs> right. So you know what you do when they announce that team? You stand up and you cheer your ass off louder than you've ever cheered before. Because those are the guys that deserve it. Pike, Benz, Lincolnbach, Kelsey, Isaiah Pede, Ramsey, Goble, Marty, Bones. That was a character. DJ Woods. I mean, Craig Carey even. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, Actually, I think Carey graduated in 08, right? He graduated with Barwin, I think. Uh, I don't remember. (laughs) I don't remember either. Um, But stand up, cheer those guys. Because they took everybody. They took this town for a ride, man. They took this town for a ride all the way through to Pittsburgh. And yeah, everything that happened after that stunk. But from August to the beginning of December, that was as fun as it gets for a sports fan in this town. There is no question about that. So cheer those guys because, man, they gave something. If you're a UC football fan, for the rest, and this is the the ultimate sign of, of what I'm talking about. For the rest of your life, as a UC football fan, you will talk about Pike to Benz. Oh, yeah. Forever. That will never stop. That will never, ever stop. So, let's get to the game. I got a feeling you're uh, you're you're very high on the Bearcats on this one. Yeah, I am. Um, I just, I don't see a lot from Tulsa. <laughs> They've got some. They've got some offensive talent. Quarterback Zach Smith is a Baylor transfer. Sat out last year. He's in the top three uh, in the conference in in yards passing. Pretty good player. Doesn't really offer much on the ground. Their run game's just kind of okay. They like to take shots. Uh, their leading receiver. Hold on, let me. Um, Keelan Stokes, he's got a a 50-plus yard touchdown catch three weeks in a row. So they're going to try to get him the ball down the field. Their second leading receiver, Sam Crawford, having a pretty good year, 26 catches, almost 400 yards, two touchdowns. I'm not sure what his status is. He was hurt in the second quarter against Navy, didn't come back. Coach Montgomery's pretty vague on injuries. I did listen to some. You'd be surprised, actually. There's, if you do the searching, there's a lot. There's a lot more Tulsa info out there in in podcast form and radio form than I expected. But um, that is, well, I, there's not much else to do in Tulsa. It's true. Um, <laughs> but they um, make math. Is that they what were, they do in Tulsa. 
Probably. Well, that was Breaking Bad. He said Bad, they right? were. Wasn't that Breaking they, Bad? Oh, I don't know. Is that Tulsa? I n- I've never never seen them. I I I. <laughs> we're gonna be the least popular podcast on the planet today because right. I, have, I have never watched an episode of Breaking Bad. Yeah. Well, but actually, I think it was in Tulsa. So I think I remember Dan Horde tweeting about going to the landmarks um, when they were on a Tulsa basketball or football trip. <laughs> I think it was in Tulsa, Breaking Bad. If I'm wrong, let me know. But I think I'm right on that. But we've admitted to something that's probably going to... If there's anything we say in this whole podcast that's going to cause the message board to blow up afterwards, it's that neither of us have ever seen an episode of Breaking Bad. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it, too. I just... I, I, I never... I never started it, so I never got into it, is what it is. Maybe one day. Yeah. Maybe one day. But go ahead. But, Continue uh, on Tulsa. I'm sorry. I, I took us off track. He, uh, Coach Montgomery said they were pretty beat up after Navy. So I'm taking that as... That's what happens when you play Navy. We got some dudes that aren't playing this week. Yeah. Um. So... They actually commit more penalties than UC, which is... They are the only other team in the country. Right. Commits more penalties than UC. We, they, might, be um, we might be there. It might be a long afternoon. Yeah. To the evening. They are, I believe I had it at like 124th in Sacks Lounge, something like that, 122nd, so they... They commit a lot of penalties, and they give up a lot of sacks, so the defensive line should get ready. They also don't rush the passer. They have five sacks on the year. They don't have tackles for losses. Their defense is, I think, in like the 48-50 range in S&P+. Plus. The offense is not, is not good. Um in the in those type of efficiency metrics, their field goal kicker is terrible. Um, as anybody who caught their demise against SMU saw, I think when they were up thirty to nine, he missed three field goals. And if he'd have made any of them, they would have won. Seems bad. So, yeah, they have like this. First or second, first and second, or first and third leading tacklers in the country, which I'm not sure if that's a good thing. Well, what position do they play? I think one plays linebacker, one plays DB. I mean, DBs with a ton of sack or a ton of tackles is usually uh, a pretty bad, sack, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, like their leading running back is only averaging 4.3 yards a carry. The quarterback. Is a pretty is a pretty bad accuracy. I mean, for a college quarterback to be at fifty five percent with the RPOs and the quick throw game and stuff, that's that's not very good. So, I just a lot of this is shaping up for a, what I think could be a big. You see when. And coming back home, again, a game where they they kind of maybe like Miami where they won, but Luke Fickle wasn't overly satisfied with their performance. Where you see them kind of fine-tune that this week, heading into a bye week, knowing that after this game you, you've got an extra week to maybe get healthy, get some things back in order. Um I heard some some rumblings. You might see some experimentation in the bye week of uh, maybe restructuring a little bit on the offensive line with Ferg healthy again. Maybe Ferg sliding into left guard with Harper at left tackle. Um, trying to get your best five on the field, which I think is the right move. I think a move yeah. like that, you don't have a lot of time to do it in a game week. But in a in a bye week, it's definitely something, whether it works or not, or whether you decide to do it or not, it definitely could be something that you look at for sure, right? Yeah, I mean, I think at this point in the year, you're halfway in, you've had whatever ineligibility, injuries, a lot of shuffling. I think at this point, 
your goal should just be to get the best five in, you know, that you can. Definitely. All right. Do you have what, – what else do you have on Tulsa? Do you have anything else on Tulsa? I haven't called them Tulane yet, so I'm trying to get out of this as quickly as possible before I screw it up. I mean, in all honesty, they're probably the – for whatever reason, they're the team football-wise that I know the least about in the entire conference. We just – we don't play them often and. They haven't been good, so it's not like their games are games that I'm (coughs) watching when UC's not playing. What, the last time they played was the last game of the Tuberville era? Is that right? It was. Yeah, when we lost in overtime or something, or at the very end of the game. Yeah, I think it was overtime. Field goal in overtime. Lost by three. All right, well, we'll go ahead and do it, Dave. It's time for our Trace Pountas prediction. Trace Pountas is freshly roasted gourmet coffee shipped directly to you. The beans are roasted to order your order, shipped out immediately. Every bag has the roast date printed clearly on it, so you know your coffee is fresh. You've heard of single-origin coffee? Trace Pountas is one level higher. Their coffee comes from a single-family farm, the Race Family Farm, near the town of Trace Pountas, Brazil. How do you get it, you ask? You go to www.tracepontas.com slash coffee. That's T-R-E-S-P-O-N-T-A-S dot com slash coffee. You decide on what you want. You got choices between whole bean and ground coffee. You also have K-cups. You can do light, medium, dark, and French roast. You decide how frequently you want the coffee shipped to you. Every one, two, or four weeks. And then when you go to checkout, this is the key part. Go to checkout, you enter Bearcats. And when you enter Bearcats at checkout, you get 20% off every bag of coffee in your subscription. That's the big thing, Dave. This is not a lot of the, a lot of these offers, you get a one-time discount. You get a discount on your first order. This 20% is off every bag of coffee in your subscription with the code Bearcats. 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some of the best coffee around. Dave, what's your prediction? I just, I think it's big. I'm going 45-10. I just, I look at the games that UC's already played, some of the offenses that they've already played. I look at what Tulsa has done against teams that outside of Michigan State in the opener don't have defenses anywhere near UCs, and they've struggled to get to 20 against those teams. So this could be a this could be a shut them down, lock them up type affair uh, Saturday afternoon, which would be a, a hell of a way. To tribute the 2009 team, right? That's right. And that's kind of the cool thing. When, you know, all this 2009 stuff was announced, that they were going into the Hall of Fame, that the team was going to be honored. It's like, you know what? It would be really cool if this team was on a run again. Obviously, some wind out of the sails by losing to Ohio State. It's not going to be an undefeated season. But still, they come in at 5-1. and one. They've got a stretch here. If they continue to to get the job done, you're looking at ten and one or nine and one going into the last two weeks of the regular season. Yeah, and this could be a team that 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 maybe if everything breaks right and they continue to improve and they continue to play well. Last year we saw an eleven win team that matched the 2008 team. You could see a twelve win team that matches the 2009 team. It could be history repeating itself. I'm going to go, maybe not as overly uh, out over my skis as you, but I I agree that I think it's going to be a fairly comfortable uh, October after Saturday afternoon. I'll go 38. What what makes me pause a little, 
their their field goal kicker's bad. So you got to factor that in. I'll say they get one score while things are close. Tulsa maybe one score while things are are out of hand later. I'll go 38-14 Bearcats. What's the spread? Do you have you heard? Uh, I want to say it is around 17. Yeah, that's 17 or 18 is what I was thinking. Let's see. I think it maybe opened around 15 and a half. And maybe it's gone up a little bit. I don't know. I the the beauty now though is is with it being a uh, with Cincinnati being a top twenty five team, it's become a little bit easier to find things. I will say for those listeners that like to, you know, 17. put down a little bit, a little bit on the Saturdays, the Bearcats are five and one against spread this year. Yeah. And the only one being so, Ohio State, which... Correct. I mean, that is what it is. <laughs> yeah, so... <clears throat> uh, you know, taking the Bearcats and, and giving the points has been a has been a winning... Or just taking the Bearcats, whatever, because they have actually been underdogs in a... In a well, they were games, underdogs, Ohio so. State and UCF, right? And UCF. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been favored all the other times, but five and one against the spread. If you're a gambler and you're five and one, you're feeling pretty good about life. I think this is another another opportunity for the Bearcats this week. Let's do something we haven't done before on this show. Oh, okay. Let's let's talk a little uh, a little rest of the conference in terms of. At least uh, there's two interesting games on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, we've only waited what, like five years for the conference to kind of lots of interesting catch games to, to UCF and give us more than like one or one game a week that's worth watching. Yeah, I mean, Temple at SMU. SMU favored huge. by seven and a half. It's that's a lot to me. Yeah, um, huge game for for. I mean, obviously for both teams, really. I mean, SMU's undefeated. Temple has one weird loss to Buffalo. Um, but then you also have Tulane at Memphis, seven o'clock Saturday at, night. Yeah, Memphis Tulane at Memphis, which. Favorite. With the way Tulane and SMU are now, obviously they're going to play each other. But with the way Tulane and and SMU are playing, this is almost a a win out situation for Memphis because yeah, because Tulane's on, Tulane's only loss is to Auburn. Now, obviously SMU and Tulane are going to play, but someone's going to win, and. Memphis drops a second game in conference at any point, then they're going to be hard-pressed to have SMU and Tulane also lose twice and then also own the tiebreaker over them. Right. So, like, they would have to beat both of them, which they haven't played. You know, they'll play Tulane and they'll – they still have to play SMU. They would have to beat both of them to even lose another game. Then those two teams would still have to lose again for them to have the tiebreaker. So, so who you got Saturday? You got Saturday. Temple at SMU. SMU seven and a half point <sighs> favorites. The game and uh, against the number. I think I would take SMU to win, but I would take the Temple in the point. Okay. And where is that game? In Memphis. Memphis favored by four. Uh, I think I would do the exact same thing there. I will take the home team straight up, but I will take 
Tulane in the point. I don't – something's up with Memphis. Like, Brady White was atrocious in the first half against Temple. <laughs> then almost brought him back. They had the the call at the end but of the game. That's kind of been their M.O. They've done that before. Well, yeah. It's like, I forget who it was, too. I mean, they killed him. It was a – SDS game. I don't know if it was Stanford or Southern or whatever, but they gave up like 30-something points. They scored like 59. But I just – they're Patrick Taylor, he, he hasn't – the running back that was supposed to be their starter, hasn't played – Their starter's good, I don't know what, though, boy. Well, yeah, Kenneth Gainwell is, is awesome. I mean, it's like the guy that – I never even didn't even expect to really play this year because Taylor was going to replace Taylor. Taylor got Wally Pipps. Taylor Henderson. Yeah. So, and they have a really, they have a really good receiver. They got a really good tight end. They brought everybody back on defense. Like I don't know. It's just something seems off no, with maybe them. The, maybe the Temple game will snap them out of it. Yeah. Because I I do think that's the most talented team in the conference. I said that from the start. I, you disagree I now? I still think – I think UCF has the most talent. But that doesn't mean they're the best. Yeah. Maybe. I'll go – I'm sticking with Memphis. I think they figure out – they still figure out a way to win the West. Even though that's now a hell of a gauntlet in the West. You got to go through Tulane. You got to go through SMU. Navy looks better. Well, they still have to play Navy, who they have not, who they lost to last year. Yeah, and Houston's going to get somebody, I think. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, that's not going to surprise me if they put it put it together one week against somebody. So, all right, Simone family tailgate. What's the uh, what, it's what? Mexican theme. Okay. The over under. Well, we're we're bringing the kid. He's making his yeah. Bearcats debut. That's gonna make the number tough. That that'll that'll lower the number. <laughs> um, we're driving separate in case we have to leave. In case she has to leave. If you were in, in case we have to leave, means you're driving together. And you both have to leave. <laughs> no, no. I mean, we're, we're in the same car. I shouldn't say separate. Okay, we're okay. together. We, we usually ride with my, my parents and my aunt. But okay, now that we I have gotcha. I gotcha. the kid, kid, not enough room. Um, you made it sound like you and your wife were driving separate. No, that, I mean, you, that wouldn't be a surprise to anyone that really knows me. Um, <laughs> I know. That's why I thought that. I just assumed that when you said you're driving separate. But, I mean, it's supposed to be – we're getting there early because I'm like, this could be the last nice Saturday of the year for all we know. Well, so you got we're a bye get week there and then a road game. So right. you're not so playing at home for three next, weeks. Your next home game is November 9th. <clears throat> Who knows what the weather's going to be like then. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fitting to – Put up a big number, I think. Uh, I'll, I'll set it eight and a half. You're going over? Uh, probably. I would go under that. Um, you just set a big number, yeah. Dave. Well, your big number, big number is now disappointing, Dad. Our, our friends our friends at Taft still have some of their delicious gavel bangers. You know, that's a more, more full-bodied beverage than some of the domesticated water that, that we drink sometimes. But, uh, you know, you got to account for all the jello shots, too. Yeah, that's fair. So, if I set it eight and a half, you're going under. I think it'd be close. I think it'll be close. Well, maybe now that I set it at eight and a half, you've got some incentive to get to nine. Yeah, I mean, I could just say I drank nine. You would have no idea. Well, yeah, I usually I'm, I got work to do. Yeah, you have to you have to leave the tailgate ten minutes after you get there. Hopefully not this time. Oh, that made me so <laughs> mad last time. You got, you got a, a, a bar. 
You got a barbecue sandwich in before you had to go. Hey, those things are delicious. Absolutely oh, delicious. Very good. And it worked out. I, I picked up a lot of info on the field. But usually I get yep. there about an hour and 15 minutes before kickoff. There were some other things going on. I had to get there two hours before kickoff for UCF. But I was able to, to ascertain uh, a lot of good information in that time. Um, unfortunately, that information wasn't good for your pocketbook in the long run. <laughs> no, actually, the funny part about that you is... You didn't make the bet? <clears throat> we can joke about it now. So, you know, sometime before the game, Chad texts me and says, Ferg is out. And so I'm like, we, and him and I were already kind of not having <clears throat> the best feeling about the game. <clears throat> so I was like, man, I don't know. Like, I was like, thinking to myself, well, what's a, what's an amount I might be able to wager that if they lose and I win, I'm, I'm, I'm okay that I won some money, but if they win, I'm not, like, mad that I lost a bunch of money. So I text a buddy who, who partakes in these things, and I told him to, to put a little bit for me on the night. Well, midway through the game, when you see or kind of in the third quarter when UC's giving it to him. And I told, I had told him he had already put some on the nights, and I told him to do more. <laughs> and he texted me giving me crap about it, and he said he, got, he lives out in California, and he was like, sorry, I was in a meeting and didn't get to put your bed in before the game started. I was like, oh, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> No worries, friend. No worries, friend. Yeah. So it uh, it, it turned out okay. <laughs> well, that's good to hear, buddy. That is good to hear. Uh, big visit for the Bearcats this weekend on uh, on the basketball side. Josh Ogundale, uh, a young man from Great Britain, a a he's a big boy. Plays the four and the five. Uh, he will be in town for an official visit. They will be looking to get that one done. They're competing with Iowa and Rhode Island for his services. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be tracking that one as closely as possible. He actually gets to town tomorrow, uh, and he'll be here through Saturday uh, for the game. So big visit for the Bearcats. Football visitors we should have here in the next day or two uh, leading up to the game with a uh, 3.30 kick on Saturday. Should be able to get quite a few uh, – Quite a few high school prospects in the house, especially uh, on the class of 2021 and 2022. That has been a predominant focus of this staff through this season so far uh, with the work that they have already done for the 2020 class, able to focus on a lot of younger kids and building a pipeline potentially for the future for UC football. So that's all I got. You got anything else? Oh, um, no, I think that's it. What do you mean, um? Uh, yeah. Oh, I was just going to tell the, the, the funny story of me trying to get Dave Wonstadt to congratulate the Go 2009. Go ahead. So, for the people that don't know, there's this new service out called Cameo, where you can have celebrities of, of different stature record a video, whether it be a happy birthday, uh, you know, maybe you're going through a rough spot and you get someone to, you know, for your buddy to be like, hey, hang in there, or, you know, great game the other night. So I noticed through Twitter that Dave Wonstadt is on Cameo. And so I thought, well, what would be better than having Coach Wonstadt congratulate the 2009 Big East champion Bearcats on the 10 year anniversary of their undefeated season. You know, I was, I was very nice in my message. I, you know, that's all I wanted to say was, you know, welcome back to Nippert, Tony Pike and Marty Gilliard and team. And, you know, just want to give you guys a big congrats on the 10 year anniversary. And I send it off. And a day later, I get an email saying that Coach One Step politely declined my request. 
and I was very sad because I thought that, that would have just been, you know, one of the funnier things that that we've ever ever done. I feel like that would have taken, you know, that would have become a popular video for people to watch, but it, all for not. The stash declined. That's unfortunate. He did. I guess he doesn't have much of a sense of humor. No. Not surprising, honestly. Football coaches tend to take oh, themselves very seriously. All, all in good fun, but, you know, maybe, maybe so be Dion it. Lewis is on Cameo. Yeah, I was thinking Bill Stoll maybe, but he would probably <laughs> have – maybe he'd have to pay you or something. <laughs> uh, <coughs> great story to end it. That's going to wrap it up. Dave and I both have the Bearcats large over Tulsa, covering the 17, uh, and going way over the 49 and a half. So we will see you next week. Dave will not be with me next week. I have a special guest for next week. Someone you hear regularly during the UC basketball season on 700 WLW. Someone that has been to a lot of practices since John Brandon has taken over as the head coach of the UC basketball team. Somebody that played in the Final Four, if you need an extra hint. But that's next week. During the bye week, we'll have an all-basketball edition as we get ready for the start of the basketball season. So, thanks again, Dave. I will talk to you in a couple weeks. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brindle. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.